welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Happy Lockdown 2.0. Yes. For those of you that are in Canada, we are in the second lockdown. Mm, in Toronto and Peel. What goals, what new <laughs> goals do you have for you, this, this second wave lockdown? Um, don't have any. <laughs> I'm going to do one of those like actual, like, have you guys seen those checklists that are like meditate? clean. There's like a list of things to do in a day to like help your day go by. Hmm. Um, I think I'm actually going to do one of those this time. Okay. <laughs> just to help me just to see, cause just to help and see where it goes. Because I think that if I just watch TV and drink the whole time, it's going to be a really rough holiday season. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, uh yeah. Mm. Okay. Do you guys see what other dance place is now shut down? Shut down. But other arts yeah. are arting is now fucked. Fuck. Well, like we called last week, Dover Court has officially been up, is now up for rent. Yeah. Which is absolutely sad. Very disheartening. The amount of dance spaces we have in Toronto or rehearsal spaces that are primarily used for dance yeah. is getting smaller by the week. Yeah. And affordable spaces is the important part of that. Like Dover Court is mm-hmm. affordable um dance makers depending on the space is affordable you know and they worked with you really well sometimes um <laughs> sip the tea friend um <laughs> but there's not that many places in toronto that are affordable to independent artists who want to do research who don't have grants who are trying to yeah. work on their own individual projects and so to watch another one tumble like and also places that are accessible for people that don't have vehicles, like not everybody can drive up to a big studio in Scarborough or North York or outside of the city to like mm-hmm. get to these places, you know? Yeah. I also was realize- realizing I haven't heard anything or much of anything about the hub. Is that still, is it still? It, it didn't lock down one. It went like down. I feel well, like they it, shut down, but they yes. haven't like officially been like, we're looking. They also just found new space like recently because of their old right. rent went up. Yeah. So maybe they're doing okay. Maybe they're funded. I'm not sure. But. Ooh, but something that I did see, see, I think it's Why Not Theater. Yeah. Did I send you that post? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why Not Theater is working on a new initiative. I can't remember what it's called. Ah, fuck. I should have looked this up. Um, <laughs> Why Not Theater. Where they're providing, like, trying to provide free space, essentially, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're trying to provide free space and they're working with different venues all over the city mm-hmm. and like amalgamating them, amalgamating them to like have this directory, directory of space I, I can use or you can use. But I'm not 100% sure if it's government subsidized. No, I'm not 100% sure of like how you like apply for that. Oh, yeah. Is it like you have to approve like eligibility? Do you have to, is it just like up for grabs? Right. Um, because it's still in the works, but mm-hmm. that's an amazing thing to be in the works, I think. And, and why not theater does really amazing work. Mm-hmm. If you've ever had the opportunity to see anything that they produce or co-produce or yeah, they're really like fabulous. So, right. Yeah. I also think it's safe to say that we are almost going to be canceling fringe again this year. I have not heard a single peep from fringe people. Um, didn't they just post about, uh, next stage or next, next stage? Steps? Yeah. But they yeah. haven't, they haven't posted about summer festival. No. Oh, I guess that they would, that would be now is when they yeah, would exactly. be asked. The lottery oh. would have already happened. People find out before Christmas, remember? Yeah. But I mean, they also could just like not be asking because they offered. So anybody that was in fringe last year, cause it got canceled, right. your offer moved over to the next season. So potentially what's happening is they're waiting another couple months going to be like confirming with the people that got it last year. Hey, do you still want this offer? Whether the festival is going ahead or not, right? If people say yes, then they'll send out a lottery. But my assumption is that a lot of people wouldn't be passing up a fringe opportunity after a lockdown, if it's going to be available, they wouldn't pass it over. They wouldn't pass it over. Like if yeah. people are going to be given an option to perform, it's going to be as soon as we can get out of this fucking disaster. Yeah, that's true. Because some people, somebody also did the virtual thing, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that I just don't know how much they, how, like, how well it went. Like, mm-hmm. I'd be interesting to hear about how their numbers were for that. Right. You know, so. 
a good job for them for being like one of the first, I think like that was kind of one of the first things I heard that was going virtual. So right. good for them, but I just don't know how, how uh, much of a success it was. Right. Cause it was in the summer. Mm-hmm. It was in the summer. I think it was hard. And it's like, if you're one of the first things to go virtual, you're also like competing against so many other things that are going virtual. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. It was like when, when the lockdown first happened and everybody was going live and we're all like, fucking stop and you're like hopping into someone's live just being like oh no <laughs> accidentally you're like i didn't mean to click i didn't mean to click <laughs> you're like panicking you like throw your phone <laughs> the first thing i do when i accidentally pop into a instagram live is i see how many people are in the live and if it actually like looks like if it if they person will like notice my name popping up <laughs> you're like there's three people <laughs> yeah Speaking of Instagram, though, um, the people that we have on today are uh, the girls from who created Murderville, which is on Insta mini series. Yes. And I don't know if you guys have updated your phones lately, but Instagram has decided to do a complete update of their software, which is trash. It's fucking trash. I what pisses me off so much is a that it's one button for wherever you're supposed to post now. And yep. B, where your notifications went, like, were. It's shopping. Which is, like, I would say easily is the most popular button. They decided to fucking move that. It's, it wasn't the most popular because now it's just habitual. And you have to think twice before mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I need to go home. And then I need to go to this tiny little tiny heart at the top. Yeah, it's bullshit. Hate it. And also, how many people are actually, like, shopping that much that I need a shopping? I need, like, a full scan like I was fine going to brands like on their page and then hitting the shop button and being like oh like what is like what's on sale well or like what's what can I buy like that right. was like fine for me I didn't need an entire button that was just gonna like sell me crap yes you know I agree and like the shopping feature in people's posts where it's like oh see this item and you mm-hmm. can like just like click on it and then see the price it would pop up yeah because then I was like interested and then I could make further decisions yeah. Wow. Also, like the home button and the bundles now just reels. I don't care about reels that much. Yeah, yeah. I have TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok uh, is, reels is just people reposting their shit from TikTok. From TikTok. Like, what, what I is, know. What is going on? I know. It's 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 really it's a lot. There's this like very funny joke <laughs> in the Good Place because I haven't watched the final season yet, and I'm watching it right now. And they make a joke about people that are technically in the bad place, which is like people that are always automatically going to the bad place. And one of them is a social media CEO. (laughs) And they're like, between the updates and like the weird conspiracies, it's awful. And they make like so many jokes about them. It's absolutely perfect. (laughs) But anyway. Anyways. Um, um, you. This week is a little bit different, A, because we did it via Zoom. Mm-hmm. We haven't done a lot of those. And B, we talked to the writers and producers and creators of this really, really funny, amazing thing show called Murderville. Yeah. And we have one of our guests who we've had on before who, um, she's like pretty okay. <laughs> I... You know, I, for some reason, really find that we talk similarly, and I don't know why. Just kidding. She's my sister, so <laughs> we look and sound exactly the same as we're told by my parents as they answer their home phone in Manitoba. <laughs> um, so Ginger Kearns is on it, mm-hmm. um, as well with one of the creators of Insta Miniseries, um, Nikki, and also uh, Ginger's co-creator, Chelsea. Yeah. Um, if you're not familiar with Instrument and Series, it is a brainchild of Nikki and Ceci, right? Yeah. Her co-founder. Um, and they have been doing it for six years. And it's just like constantly evolving. Like how can they produce content specifically for Instagram? Yeah. And if you haven't gone to check out the Murderville um, if you haven't checked out any of the episodes or any of the stories, I really highly suggest it. Hit up Insta Miniseries. Um, we're constantly sharing it and it'll be linked with this episode. You betcha. All right. Let's get going. Um, I have a question first off about Insta Insta series because that is the platform that Murderville is being launched on through Instagram. And Insta Miniseries is kind of like your, is it your brainchild, Nikki, or? 
Insta mini series was started by myself, Amanda Delanuez, and Ceci Fernandez. It was back in 2014 when uh, web series were really popular. And we were trying to come up with an idea of a web series uh, to incorporate our acting skills, directing, producing, and our multi-hyphenated um, different talents that we wanted to exercise. And it was around the time that Instagram had announced 15 second videos. And I thought, you know, there's something here that could be something really exciting. And so we gave ourselves a challenge to try and see if we could create an entire series with 15 second episodes. Uh, so we started our first series, which was called Silent Brooklyn. And it was um, like our homage to, to Lucille Ball and Charlie Chaplin. And it was but to modern women in Brooklyn, but in the style of like silent comedy. And it did really well. We got a lot of uh, blogs written about us. We got written up in the New York Times. And, and we thought, you know, we really have something here that is original and different. And they're little like micro bites of, of content. So from there, I, I really wanted to create an entire channel where it could be almost like the tiniest version of HBO miniseries. So after every series, we would end it and then we would do something completely different. That's great. Um, what is, so Murderville was picked um, to be a part of um, Insta miniseries. How many series have you had so far on there? So Murderville would be our sixth series. And uh, I had spoken to Ginger, we all worked together, we knew each other for many years, and I was always a really big fan of Ginger's writing and wanted to collaborate on something, but it never really, it never lined up right. And then Ginger and Chelsea can speak to it more, but they wrote Murderville together and invited me to a reading. And I was like, this should be for instant miniseries. <laughs> um, and Ginger and Chelsea, when you wrote it, did you specifically have instant miniseries in mind or did you like write it and then just kind of try to adapt it for the platform? This is an interesting question because I feel like we have two very different experiences. <laughs> <because> <laughs> to this. I, I didn't really know about uh, Nikki's instant miniseries before because Nikki and I didn't really know each other. We had just missed each other when we all worked at the McKittrick Hotel. Um, and I had exclusively worked with Ginger and my whole goal with Murderville was honestly just to write like a five minute short film because I was like, Ginger's really cool and I'd like to work with her and I'd like to get to know her. And when I finally coerced her into having cocktails with me, um, Ginger was like, great. great. That would have been really Watch hard. Her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, had to, I had to really twist her arm. <laughs> but um, when I finally got her to, to get drinks with me because I was like, this is not just a hangout. It's like to talk about work. Um, she was like, great, let's, let's write, a, let's write a show. Let's write a full series. <laughs> and, uh, we tumbled out of it from there, but I think Ginger can, can also speak to this, but, um, Ginger had always had Insta miniseries in mind. Yeah. I, well, a long time ago, Nikki had asked, um, if I had any ideas to kind of do something with Insta miniseries, like when they first started the channel. And I remember being so intimidated by, the silent aspect of it um, because Instagram didn't get audio like where you could have like dialogue. You could only put music over top of videos for quite a long time. And so that was really intimidating to me as somebody who like writes jokes. You know, I was like, I don't know if I can just not have dialogue. Um, so, but it was always in the back of my mind. Like I was always like supporting like the channel and the work that was being done there. And so when Insta miniseries went, or when Instagram went up to one minute video with dialogue and doing a series interest, interested me. Um, and so I was uh, excited about trying to make something um, that was, that would fit into the then platform of Instagram, which was one minute with sound. And so Chelsea and I wrote, you know, like 15 episodes for season one that we tried to keep at one minute each. And, um, and we did our first reading and it was a very small reading. And the feedback that we got was like, everyone was obsessed with everyone in the town and we had so many town characters. And so we should just have more. So <laughs> instead of writing more episodes, we included all these fun, get to know you to know things, which was like the interviews and the commercials for the businesses. So then we had like, you know, 15 episodes plus like 10 common interviews. And that's when Nikki came into the second reading that was more of a public reading. Um, because at that point we knew that we were going to make the show for sure. Like we, 
we were starting to do like a fundraising sort of thing. So our, our second thing was an open reading, which Nikki came to. And I, you know, obviously invited her because I was like, she might be interested in this for Insta miniseries, or she might just be interested in coming on board as a separate producer or director or whatever. I was just like, this, I think is something that will appeal to Nikki. I want to work with her because she's so freaking amazing. So, and talented and has such a great eye. So I was like, I think this will, I think, and I want to work with chicks. You know, I think having like female directors and producers on board is so good. So I just think just like, yeah, so I invited her, you know, hoping that it would interest her. And then, um, and that was sort of when Instagram, did Instagram get stories then or was it that, that come later? Stories came later, but they definitely introduced IGTV, which was like flip the game, which was like right. up to an hour. We were like, okay, you don't have to be limited to one minute, like go wild, like, well, not wild, but like, <laughs> you, can, you don't have to be limited in one minute. It definitely freed up the dialogue, it freed up like the style of each episode. And then later down the line, when stories came into play, I was like, oh, that would be so fun if we could make it a little more interactive and make it like put little Easter eggs, you know, in the stories, not imperative into like watching the series. But like, if you're really into it, you could kind of do your own sleuthing skills. And they just went wild. I was thinking it would be like a handful. And then they came back and it was like 90 stories on top of it. I was like, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a lot of questions that just popped up from like all of you guys talking. Um, My first one is like how you build characters out, Ginger and Chelsea. So like what kind of characters came first? Was it like suspects and mains? But then you have like 16 townies, I think, in your entire series. Like 26, isn't it? We have 26. character including Maggie and Darla. Crazy. Um, And and Barb. Barb's dead. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> One of my biggest questions is like how Barb died. How did Barb die? <laughs> Sorry. Guess what? You're gonna have to just keep watching. Maybe I'll we'll find out. Um, so how do you build that many characters out in a way that is both like complete and fulfilling to the storyline for such like small time frames? Actually, well, I'm gonna take this really quick and then I'm gonna throw it to Ginger because Ginger has a longer uh, answer for this, I think. But I I learned so much working with Ginger, like full stop from like day one. Cause like day one, Ginger and I met and she just was like, let's just have fun with it. We already, she already had the character for Darla in mind and I'll let her talk to you about that. But um, when we, when we started sort of building the world, she gave me like homework. And I was, I was just talking to like my partner about this. Ginger gave me homework and I laughed when I got home because she was like, just fill out this sheet just like think about it and fill out this sheet and it was like so much history (laughs) for 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 just Maggie and I remember when I first started doing this I was like this chick is like intense (laughs) Um, but but as I started filling it out I was like this is really wonderful because I really started to bond and if that sounds strange but I really started to bond with Maggie and bond with the world that she lived in because I really wanted it to feel like she it was lived in and I think that Ginger and I really just started by writing Maggie and Darla figuring out what they wanted what their like dreams and goals were and then from there building out the rest of the town was quite simple because it just sort of like it branches out right just like the mystery in and of itself it's like oh Maggie knows Darla who has a husband and they have kids but Darla had a you know mysterious romance in high school that ended in a tragedy like you know so there's just a lot of things that come organically Right, Ginge? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Darla was originally a character named Ilsa Opperman, who I created for SNL, an SNL audition. Um, and at the time, she was making her favorite um, Law & Order SVU um, crime scenes as dioramas. Um, and it was a character that I was always interested in um, developing further. And sort of one of the things that they teach you, you know, through comedy creation of characters is like you do like a full history on the person that you're playing so I have I had been given at some point like a sheet that's like it's like 40 questions uh and some of them are short answers and some of them are like you have to write kind of like essays for like building out a character um and you get to know really fun because the questions are strange it's like does the character have hobbies does the character you know um, have any scars? Does the character like, you know, have any traumatic childhood experience? What's the 
character's favorite memory from childhood. And as you fill that out, you really build these like well-rounded people that you like know. Um, now, so we built them for Maggie and Darla. We didn't go to the extent to build them for the town, but we definitely did some of those questions for people in the town, you know? And, and as we, so we came up with the characters and then the next thing to do was to outline all the episodes. So we basically sat there and outlined like what's going to happen in episode one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, until we got, I think originally it was 18, but then season one ended at 15. So we kind of like beat it, beat out the, um, beat out the episodes and then it just the town just started to take shape you know like every small town has an ice cream parlor every small town has a hardware store every small town has like that hair salon the only one in town you know which is like how that came about and I was kind of like mimicking the town off of like where Rainy and I are from Brandon but also this town on and all that we kind of like are affiliated with from our summers at Clear Lake and there's literally like one, you know, you go to the hairdresser and it's like there, there's not even like a shop. You like go to the woman's house, you know, and it's like in her basement, but it's like that there's one hairdresser and there's one hardware store and there's one, you know, one kind of of everything. And so I think once we started having those businesses come up and it was like, who owns the business? What are their relationships to the characters? Then, it, And then it just is like, who are those people friends with? And we sort of split the town into like two age groups. There's like everyone who's kind of like Darla's age. And then there's everyone who's kind of like Maggie's age. And we don't, we have like a few older characters and a few in between, but mostly it's like we kind of settled on like those two groups from the town. Um, do you guys have a favorite character that was created that someone has like put their own little spice on or anyone in particular that you just like look at and you love? Oh yeah. So Ginger and I uh, submitted for the 2019 Sundance Episodic Lab. And when we did that, we had to write a pilot essentially. Um, and when we were able to sort of develop the pilot and start, start to deepen a lot of these characters, um, a character that I loved more and more was this character Howard, who is, like the town uh, weird alien conspiracy theorist. Um, and he was a character that I think shaped up really quickly um, because we got to go really wild with him. And I loved the idea that in Howard's world, while these girls are in their story, like they're like, we're, we're chasing the murderer. Howard's like, I'm gonna find the reptilian king. Like, you know, so it's a very different plot line that happens for him. And I just love that about Murderville too, that within this town, all these people are living such individual lives. So as you start to sort of peel back the curtain, you really get to um, know more about these people in the town that they live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that we explore a lot with Maggie and Darla that sort of ripples out is, um, I mean, like the women are essentially failures at the beginning of the show, right? Like Darla failed out of the gate. She got pregnant at 17, think that it's Eric, her husband's baby. We're sort of unclear if maybe (laughs) she's lied about it and it's Graham's kid. Um, But she like, you know, had these dreams and then just was like a housewife. And she's got a great life, you know, she like has this wonderful family, but like her, all of her aspirations were just destroyed. And so she's kind of like, you know, at, at an age where she's like, just like realizing she's having this like awakening of like, she's unhappy in this happy life because she's never done anything for herself and Maggie's the same way Maggie got kicked out of college for vandalism and so she's kind of in this position where she's like back in her hometown and she's like a failure you know and and you know we hope to see the women like start succeeding in their own things and get their own thing that they get to to have and and work through that and grow in those ways but I think a lot of the townspeople you see like a similar like you see everyone is like doing this thing, but they kind of have these like secrets where they, you know, like Howard, he is doing the same thing that the women are doing where he's trying to like track the, the killer, but it's like it, for him, it's a reptilian, you know? So you kind of see like how he, and we get into Howard about how he like has all this money from like a settlement because he was hit by a parking meter car. Um, and so he's kind of like, you know, bored. Like, I think, you know, what, what happens when you don't work and you're sort of eccentric. And then you've got like the character of Graham who owns a hardware store and he's like born and raised in the town. And then you sort of find secret things out about him and like how he has dreams to go do something else, but they don't leave. And then you find out these secret dreams about um, Darla's husband and you kind of see 
how all of these people are like, you know, living their, 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 they're sort of happy on the outside, but they do have these like unfulfilled things going on, which was a fun thing to write, you know, because it makes the characters more well-rounded. And then just to, I know something that I didn't say before is like, we, when we were, when we were writing the characters, we had some people in mind, like our friends uh. who are actors, to play those characters. And I think a fan favorite, who was probably the least developed character when we went into filming, but Chelsea and I knew that Austin Goodwin yes, he's was so going to come good. in. We knew we didn't want to write too much for him because we knew that guy was going to come in and he was going to kill it. Because Austin is so great at improv, he's so endearing, and like we had this weird kid, like it was such a character that it's hard to even see Austin playing because Austin's just looks like this cool guy, you know? So then to have him come in and play Jeffrey, who's kind of like the dirty, weird kid from Gummo who like might huff gasoline or glue, you know, like, and does this weird thing with cats. You kind of like, it's hard to picture, but like Chelsea and I just like, we were like, this is going to be great. And Nikki was like, well, Nikki, I'll let you talk about that. But I think he's a fan favorite. Jeffrey yeah. is a fan favorite for sure. I was going to say you stole my answer because when you said like, who's your like favorite character? Um, obviously, like everybody is so well developed, like as you can hear out how Ginger and Chelsea just like created this entire world that you can just step into it. It's like fully lived in. And I will say the one character I'd never understood was Jeffrey Smalls. And I didn't understand where he fit and who he who would play him. And from the beginning when we were doing casting, Ginger and Chelsea were both like, it has to be Austin. And I know Austin. I, I had never seen him play a character that way. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, I do love Austin. I think he's very funny. I just didn't see that part of that side of him. And when he came in and like, he just like killed the role pun intended, but he really just shined. And like, it, it just blew me away every day. I like, I wish we had more time to like, let him just run with it. We were just like, okay, we have to keep moving because we're on a schedule, but my God, all three takes were funnier every time. And then even in the edits, um, when the way we've like kind of panned to him a little bit, I would, my jaw would drop watching the edits and I have been like involved in this script from the beginning. I, you know, we've been there every step of the way. I was there when we were filming it and even watching the edits when I would see like cut away and just certain facial expressions, he wouldn't even say anything. And I'm like, he knows something. Oh my God. And it was like, what, what I'm part of this. And I am (laughs) still being surprised. And that is like, a testament to an amazing actor who can, it's like what they say, like there's no small parts, you know, like uh, that was like the biggest example of how an actor just took a part, made it their own, took it to the next level and like is a scene stealer every time. (laughs) And just, it's just amazing. Yeah. We also allow like, we obviously wrote a script with jokes in it, but we also encouraged the performers some, uh, especially the ones like in there when we auditioned people, because there are some people that we did have to audition to bring in for the show. Um, we just asked everyone to improvise because we thought, you know, we're going to let you be this character. So like, if you have a special skill, let us know. And like, we'll write it into the character, you know, we'll, you know, if you can juggle or you can do this, like we'll write it in or you, you know, you want to go on a weird monologue, like we'll let you do that. And like as much time permitting film it to just like kind of even make these characters more rich and more full. Cause you, I mean, if you trust, you cast the right people and they, they're just going to, they are going to bring so much more richness and they're just going to add to how amazing the world fills out, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like you cast the right people and it's, you've got like a town all of a sudden, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. There's like, I think there's just so many like little hand, there's like a handful of moments throughout the show that I'm like, I didn't write that. And I'm totally okay with it. (laughs) Um, Like with, with literally with Austin, with the Jeffrey thing where he talks about the cat moose in the bar, that was me literally running up to Nikki and being like, Nikki, can you just listen to Austin? Austin's goofing off in the corner, monologuing about a cat. I think we should just film it and see what happens. And I knew that at that point we were, everybody was like really tired too. And she was like, okay, fine. And then she went over there. That was one of our last days, full days of shooting was that bar scene. Yeah. 
Um, I just want to go back. Ginger, you said something about when you were talking about the characters, about um, they're like on the outside, they are on the outside. They look really happy and they're like super happy in their lives. And on the inside, they're like a little bit sad and they have like more hopes and dreams and, and stuff like that. Um, where do you think this char- these characters, why do you think you're writing like that? So why are you um, creating these characters that are like sad on the inside and then like, but appearing very happy, like Darla and Maggie are actually like really sad. I find them like very heartbreaking when I like you first introduced them in like the first two episodes. So I'm interested about why and like where that intuition to create these characters is coming from. Um, I think that like, if you want to write comedy, you, the kind of comedy that I enjoy writing is always heartfelt. Um, it's cringeworthy at times. It's watching a, an a middle-aged woman get up at a bar and try to seduce her high school boyfriend and she can't get herself up on it and it's like not sexy and it's kind of sad but like she just feels really confident in that moment and like to me that's like where the comedy comes from it's like it's funny to watch people be vulnerable and like it's also funny I don't know like the we took a lot of um you know the mockumentaries that Christopher Guest writes all of those mockumentaries are sort of like real people who are just doing their real day lives where like their things are important for them. And even if it's like the most important thing for me today is to just like get through the day and get my kids from kindergarten. You know what I mean? If that's like what it is, that's what it is. And that's what real people are like. And I think that all of those comedies do such a great job of being heartfelt because it's like the jokes with like the real grounded and like real things and real dramatic things that happen. Um, I think for the show in general, once you get on a theme, like once we sort of figured out that that was the theme of Darla and Maggie, it just like thematically worked with all of the other characters, you know, Um, to kind of have this like, I don't know, also maybe personally, like because we were (laughs) writing about like a small town, I envisioned Darla as like, what would my life be like if, and this is sort of how I do all of my characters. It's like, (laughs) if I got pregnant in high school, and made these choices, what would my life be like now? And and you kind of have this very sad daydream um, that maybe I would be like a housewife, um, you know, who, who, and like, not, there's nothing wrong with being a housewife. There's nothing wrong with not working. It's just, would I have unrequited, and you know, dreams that were unfulfilled? Would I like regret anything? And so I, I kind of stemmed it from there. And I think that like, um, I don't know. I kind of like writing characters that are like sad a little bit too. Like the kind of like the juxtaposition of like the happiness and the dark sort ofness, I think is what makes dark comedy, which is sort of where my, you know, that's like my wheelhouse of writing. So there's also like a vulnerability in that, that I think audience members or viewers really connect to. Totally. I think that's why Schitt's Creek is such a success. Yes, because, you know, they like um, Dan Levy and then they, I mean, they did that so well. Those characters are like so unlikable and but you can see that it's this like hard front that they've had to put on while they live these fabulous lives. And then in Schitt's Creek, when they have no money, it kind of gets taken away from them. And then you see what their sort of real heart looks like, you know, and I think that that's why the show is a success. So, you know, we'll just try to emulate that. (laughs) (laughs) um the whole project project was the whole project funded on kickstarter or was there like angel investors as well so uh since the beginning of instant mini series i'm very good friends with Questlove, um amir thompson who's a very good friend of mine and when i originally told him about my idea for instant mini series way back in the day he was nothing but supportive he's been like almost like a mentor in in helping guide me to be an independent artist. And so he's always been kind of like on the sidelines cheering us on. But Murderville, for the most part, has been uh, funded by Kickstarter. Seed and Spark. Sorry, Seed and Spark. I don't oh, know why. Sorry. It's Seed and Spark. Yeah. <laughs> I said Kickstarter. That was me. Don't worry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, what were your guys's I mean, I feel like there's always this weird energy when you're asking for money from like what feels like your friends and family. There's like this like weird, (laughs) like, I, you don't know how you feel about it. It's like strange. And, um, what were some of the challenges about funding the funding that way? And what were some of the things that like Stephen Spark helped you with? It is a female based, um, fundraising platform. 
yeah, which okay. is why, which is why we chose that platform. You know, we had right. two female writers, female director on board. We're going to put it on Insta mini series, which is also a female um, run company. So we just decided to like go ahead with all of that. You know, we use Seed and Spark, which is a female run business. Our DP is uh, a woman. All of our ACs were women. Our editor is a woman. Um, we just really tried to work with as much ladies as possible um, and give them opportunities in the business, which was really spearheaded by Nikki. She was pretty insistent about trying to have an all-female crew, which was awesome. Rad. Yeah, and I think um, Ginger and I, and, and Nikki, because we all worked at the McKittrick Hotel. I think we all had experience with the immersive theater community here in New York City. And and I just want to like use this moment to shout out the immersive theater uh, fans because they really have been so wickedly supportive of Ginger, Nikki, and I um, from day one. Like, you know, so every public reading we had, um, every like post we put up, any sort of promotional material uh, that we released when we were doing the scene spark, Ginger and I filmed like little videos as Maggie and Darla being like, oh gosh, we've got like 10 days left on the on the scene <laughs> spark. And every single thing we put out in there, no matter how small, uh, they've just like really lifted us throughout this whole uh, process and continue to do so. Like, I think you can see it through like who's in the comments and who's sharing um, the Murderville uh, episodes and so on and so forth. So um, they really, I think were a huge part of why we were able to fund the Seed and Spark campaign as well. And one yeah, of my, and it, oh, sorry, go, Nick, go ahead, Nikki. I was just gonna say that um, one of the things that I really loved about Seed and Spark is that you're not just asking for money, you can also ask for um, things to help you make the show, right? So you can put up mm. that you need equipment that people can donate, you can put, you could do, catering you can do um uh, you can put up like an editor or hair and makeup so it, you can also ask for trade right you, you're not just asking for money which sometimes people don't have the means to offer but if you are an up-and-coming you know hair and makeup person or an editor and you really want to support and you don't know how to do that financially you can offer your trade which i think is really great um, yeah, and one of the things I think that we did when we were going to launch, I mean, we, we, we thought about, just like the show, we've put so much thought into how we were going to fundraise for it. And so we started, when we found out, so we were finalists for the Sundance 2019 Episodic Lab with our 30-minute pilot version of Murderville. Um, when we found out we weren't one of the top 10 and really decided to go ahead and launch um, the series as the Insta Mini series, um, we threw a huge party. We threw it at Prime Produce, Prime Produce in New York, and um, and we just we sold you know like did donation tickets and people could donate and we launched the Seed and Spark there so people could donate immediately. We had we had cash bar. We had you know people donate liquor and beer to us. We had bands play and donate their time to us. And we read the pilot. We read the Sundance pilot in, in front of the audience and of investors, basically, and so they could hear it. And so I think like us getting really excited and kind of throwing this big event. And then normally when you when you kickstart or you fundraise something, it'll like, you know, you get like a lot of donations right away in the first like week. And then it like will drop out for like a few weeks. And then you'll get a lot of donations at the end. And ours didn't do that. It was just this gradual like to constant gradual climb until we hit the goal and then exceeded the goal. the goal. It was just, I mean, it was amazing. We just had so much support, you know, and again, from the immersive theater community, from friends, from family, from just, you know, ev literally everybody, like it's just amazing how much support we've been given for this project. It makes me feel like, wow, this is something people really are interested in and want to watch. Um, so you had all these like, uh, Seed and Spark donors, I guess. Is that like a good way to call them? Is that like, a, is that, yeah, donors. So there's the donors, you have your angel investors, and then you have you three, and I believe one other person is a produce, is producers on it, correct? Yeah. So um, at what point do the angel investors and these donors from the Seed and Spark have influence over this project? And where do you like, how do you learn where to be like, push back as your own producer for like, because you produced it yourself, you and Ginger and Chelsea. Chelsea. Well, there, 
I would say the angel donors and the seed and spark really didn't have an input as far as we've been very upfront about what our expectations were, what they were donating towards. There was no uh, development with them, right? Everything that we presented that we were asking for was already fully developed. So all it was, was us delivering what we promised we were going to create. As far as what the final product is and who had say, it was the four of us, which is Ginger, Chelsea, and then my co-creator, producer, Ceci, who unfortunately couldn't join us today. But um, yeah, she's, she's my other half with Insta Miniseries. Ceci is an amazing human. She essentially became cake. Uh, the director for a whole like second string to shoot the 90s stories that Ginger and I decided to, <laughs> to write for this and like would be literally running from like from like working with like Nikki and being like one minute and then shoot like four stories off uh, in a different location just around the corner so I mean Ceci is wonderful she's also fostering two puppies right now that are just ruining her life <laughs> <laughs> life, but also they're adorable and I think that's what I think one of really so she can't really deal with all of yeah. that at the same time yeah, <laughs> she also was uh, she also played Linda who is the oh, news yeah. reporter and in um Murderville and is hilarious oh. her Midwest accent is I didn't realize that that was Ceci actually yeah yeah so she yeah, was Ceci busy running around Oh no, I was just, was that's just a, literally what I, exactly the same thing I was going to say. <laughs> was like, she also plays Linda Wilkins. Um, and then we had another producer, um, Amy DePaolo, who came on with Pink Among Men. And she really, um, like, she gave us a town, basically. And I think Nikki can speak more about that. But like, um, Amy was responsible for walking like all of those locations that we shot in like the church and that hair salon and the, and the suburban houses. Um, and like, there's just a ton of locations that she sort of locked in. And that was her hometown growing up. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of personal connections that she brought to the table. And she even um, it, like introduced us to the catering company who like don't like needed all the catering for our, our shooting in, in New Jersey, which was huge. Yeah, the, yeah, they made us lunches every day. It was awesome. It was awesome. We used their parking lot. <laughs> oh, I felt so bad when we were just like, we're going to do this scuffle that happens in the parking lot that I can't really talk about. I was just like, there are all these people that are going in and out. <laughs> this restaurant that must be like, what is happening? Oh, <laughs> there was a few. I mean, when you make a show about murder, there's obviously like some things that happen and you are shooting it in public. Um, <laughs> and it, it can be embarrassing. But the, the police only came once. <laughs> so when, when and that was and there and luckily it was a very small crew when the police came. So um, I have a question that you kind of led into um, Chelsea. What influence did all of your like immersive theater experience for everyone almost everybody involved lead into this like immersive experience in within insta miniseries i think yes and no okay. uh, in an in an interesting way i think like, we knew uh because of the the base of people that were interested in our work collectively that an interactive or immersive experience uh on a social media platform would be exciting um, and I think when we did our second reading, which was the public, the public that Nikki came to, we realized, real, Ginger and I realized really quickly that the draw for most people wasn't necessarily just the comedy aspect. There was a huge draw for the murder mystery, which, duh, but I think to Ginger and I, we were like, we're writing these like fun, wacky characters. They're just only going to think about the jokes. And they really did not. Most people were like, but what if the pastor did it and it's like and spent like we did like a talk back talk, and we did talk backs at i think every reading but we did a talk back at the very end and it really went off the rails at one point and i think nikki can attest to this where just everybody was like but no i know it was this person for this reason it really should be this person are you gonna tell you gonna see who it was and mm. and that was just kind of unprecedented for us so uh, to get back to your question i think that uh, that was a good sign for us that we could open the door uh, to play with like the stories aspect and to play with like maybe red herrings here and there and how can we misdirect and how can we like can we build uh, a murder mystery with 
within a dark comedy as well. I also think that it, um, it, it because this, it, there are the stories, there's also like, we're doing like a little bit of Instagram live stuff on the channel, um, which is maybe not as weird being in an immersive theater person. Like when you're acting in character to people, um, it doesn't seem so strange that you would be doing it on Instagram live where like for, for our performers, that might be like a very weird thing to do. Um, and so I think that the audience that we have does enjoy that. They do enjoy coming on and asking us questions in character. Um, and that was sort of something that we just decided to do for fun, fun for engagement to see if people were interested in it. And just like another way to use the platform because where Insta miniseries has always been extremely innovative in how they use Instagram to showcase these videos. There's so much of the platform changed while we were making Murderville yeah. that we just really have like, we did something that nobody has ever done before. We use, we use IGTV, we use story, story, we use Instagram live. Like maybe we're going to use reels. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> But like, we're really trying to like do something new and groundbreaking, you know, and that channel when they made it was always doing that. It just like, as it, even like as quickly as it develops, we're just trying to stay on top of that as best we can. And the one thing I want to add to that is we did take a hiatus from Instant Miniseries after our fifth series, which was Pushing Buttons. It was an interview talk show in an elevator where we interviewed celebrities in 60 seconds. It was really fun. But we took a hiatus because everyone on the Instant on the series team, it, we utilized it as kind of like a portfolio and everyone went off to do their own work. Um, and when we decided to come back for Murderville, so much had changed. But one of the biggest things that was kind of strange for me was I was having these different companies trying to do branded content on Instant Miniseries and trying to dictate what that should look like. And they're like, are you going to use this? Are you going to use this? Instagram just came out with that. And it was like very overwhelming because the technology will always continue to change, right? Like what it is today will not be what it will be in six months. We know that. It's just constantly changing. And to me, I always say content is king. It doesn't matter what the technology is. It doesn't matter if TikTok is popular right now. I mean, Vine was how many years ago they asked if we would do Vines. Like it's just ever changing. And though it is very exciting we have so much fun. I think the most important part is the fact that the content is great with Murderville. And there's just so much of it that it's like you could take like any kind of detail that these girls have written and feed it into a story or feed it into an IG live because they have built this world out so much that it fits in any, um, any of the platforms. So that is something that's really exciting is that, yes, we are yes, doing something that has never been done before, but that's because we have all the material ready to go. Have there been any challenges with the platforms constantly changing and adding new things and making a series in such short amount of um, playing time? I think the thing that's been the most frustrating is like the algorithm that Instagram has. It was not like that before. It was like, you know, if you, if you said something at nine and someone else posted at 905, it would just roll out in the order that people posted it when it first came out. So now it's gone changing and, and it's about, you know, your likes and, and who comes to your platform. So it is a little bit frustrating because you have to play into these algorithms that are ever changing and it's a bit frustrating, but, but you know, ultimately, if you have something that's good, people will find it and they'll come on and, and check it out on their own time. I think that um, when we were approaching like marketing uh, Murderville and we were approaching sort of discussing like, how are we going to game? How are we going to game this algorithm? Because Instant Mini Series was on high for a little bit, right? And it was like, how do we get ourselves back in people's main pages? I think that that opened the door for us to to have to keep playing. It was just like when stories came out and Ginger decided, Ginger and I and Nikki, we were like, let's just create little Easter eggs, right? It was the same. It was the same concept. It was like, how do we uh, engage gay people uh, in a fun way? How do we keep it very Murderville? So it's like, let's make posters. Let's uh, let's do IG lives. Let's let's sure we're using stickers, so on and so forth. And forth. It all feel very trite. Um, especially when you're, when you're like, well, I just want to write the show and I just want to focus on focus on releasing the show, the show. Uh, but you got to you got with what is there in front of you, right? You got to like work with the system that is in place. 
um, and just kind of look at it as a new way to count cards at the table, right? So yeah, so yeah. Um, did, um, did Chelsea, you mentioned that like in the read, people were kind of like, it should be this person, it should be this person. Did the unsub change because of people's opinions at any point? Look at me using unsub like I'm like a full detective. I love that. <laughs> Listen. Yes. Um, it, it did not necessarily change yeah. uh, who the unsub was, um, but it, it definitely changed how we uh, uh, sort of laid out clues. Like oh, people okay. were much more, people were like way hungrier for like uh, the clues and how they could like hold like onto these little nuggets throughout the way or the way, how they could, how they could start determining uh, who the perp was. But I think that, um, Ginger and I just like needed to start weaving a lot more. So when we had we started doing sort of like rewrite, rewrite uh, we started building these docs, um, these different like Google sheets that were like, we have character tracking and one. Now we have clue tracking. And when we, when we started doing clue tracking, that's when I really was like, this is a whole beast. Um, because it was just, it was so interesting to be like, oh, I got to figure out when can I put duct tape in the show how can i organically <laughs> let duct tape live in the show how can i make sure that this person is seen with this thing so that people can pick up on it even if it's not like a main aspect of the scene it's like this person's gonna walk by carrying this bag you know so that was a that was a very interesting challenge yeah our google our google folder for murderville is very intense there are a lot of folders within folders within folders it's it's a uh, it, it would be the equivalent of a serial board, uh, a serial killer board, yeah. you know, but it is, but in, on the internet, on the internet. Yeah. Why, I mean, like, this is a pretty maybe obvious question, but like, why, why, why like a murder? Why crime? Why true crime with this series? Uh, actually, this is based off of, I think, Ginger and I's first conversation. We just sort of sat down with each other and I didn't know Ginger very well. I knew Ginger in like the capacity of like the Mandrelay bar, which is where we worked together <laughs> and sort of like the character that she played in there. So when I sat down with her uh, and as Ginger Kearns and not as her character, I was very surprised, uh, I think, to just like hear her just be very brass tacks about things. Um, and I think when we got to, to talking about, uh, you know, what interested us, it was that's really what opened sort of the floodgates for both of us. We both had been listening to a podcast called My Favorite Murder, um, and we just were like, "Oh my god, yeah! What about this episode? What about this thing?" And then we just started, you know, rattling off, you know, serial killers, cults, so on and so forth. So it was kind of really like Maggie and Darla bonding in real life uh, over our sort of like fascination, our morbid fascination with. Um, true crime. And I, I said this not too long ago, but I, I'd like to drive it home that we didn't want to just write a show about two women who just like loved violence and murder and like were obsessed with like these evil, terrible men. I think we also wanted to write a story that was primarily about these two women, you know, who are, are like obsessed with this thing that happens because they want to catch this guy. And our obsession really fuels these characters in different ways. I think we really wanted to examine why are women or femme presenting people so obsessed with true crime in the first place. And uh, the My Favorite Murder Girls will say like, it's because we're worried we're gonna get killed someday. Same reason why you like walk home with like keys between your knuckles or you, you know, look over your shoulder a lot when you're heading back to your apartment late at night. And I think it's that obsession with wanting to game the systems in real life and protect yourself certain degree and like finding serving somebody uh in that yeah and again i think what we do is we 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 try to articulate it in, in a in a way with no judgments for how why you're you are obsessed and how that sort of comes out of you in, as an individual like you have the maggie character who's very type a kind of like tried and true she's really like doing that like detective work you know Whereas like Darla is like, you know, really like baiting herself and maybe has like a Bonnie and Clyde kind of like fantasy or like a prison wife kind of fantasy. And like, what's that about? How, how do women want to, I'm always fascinated with like, why do like why, why women men are like serial killers in jail, you know? And like, what is that woman's story? Like, what is her life that that's like, you know, what she wants or that like, 
you know, so it's like exploring the characters in a way that's like, you know, really getting into these, like how, how it drives them, but also like going to those places without judgment as well, you know, cause like, I, I don't want to judge Darla for her decision-making. Although sometimes you're just like, Oh, please don't <laughs> do that. You know? But I think just like showing, showing ways, dif the different ways that people are obsessed with true crime and how it comes out in in their own personalities, you know, with, of course, the ultimate goal being that they want to save the women, you know, they, this is very empowering for two women who are sort of failures right now, right, is to be able to, like, make, make a difference in somebody else's life and have a thing that's theirs, and they can save somebody, and, like, it's a, you know, they can be the hero, you know, because they weren't the hero in their own life story, so, like, maybe now is their opportunity to do that. Yeah, it's so fancy <laughs> when you're talking about Darla, Darla. Oh God, oh God, do yeah, do that. But we like all have those very specific shame spirals that we all have, like whether it's after a night of drinking or like something that happened 10 years ago that you still remember. Those <laughs> still, still <laughs> happen. Um, you Speaking about like women and like the like influence that like female characters have had, you've each mentioned that it's really important that you like worked with an all-female um, like seed and spark um, behind the scenes, but why specifically? Especially like, actually, all know why now. It's it's very of interest of a lot of people. But like, why specifically for each and every one of you? Is it important that you give space for women in in types of industries? Nikki, you should spearhead that maybe maybe not just not to put you on the bus, but like like <laughs> I think think for me, um, like I've said before. Um, you know, Questlove has been an amazing mentor and for a, a man to, with such a big platform to like be a cheerleader in the scenes, like nobody knows oh, he's a supporter of instant miniseries because he believes, you know, in women and to put them forward in order to have their platform and their time. So that was really empowering for me. And to be able to say like, I have this very small idea and I'm, it makes me very excited. And I have these team of women that like, they could really help me make this happen. And he's like, then you should do it. And it, even just giving the, getting the permission, which is so crazy to think about right now. Right. But like for someone who's a, an artist that I, that I, you know, respect so much to say, that's a good idea. That one sentence alone was enough to fuel me to figure it out and to create it and to start making it happen and to have other women look to me and be like, I like what you're doing. How can I help? And uh, men as well, you know, just when, when I took the initiative to, to start instant mini series and got empowered by that and to start creating this work. And I've had so many women along the lines that have created this support group when, when needed work where I would just, it, it's very hard to tell people like, I want to produce more. I want to direct more. Do you have any leads? Can you introduce me to someone? And I have a handful of people, Kaylin Yatsko, who is our DP, who is one of my most amazing friends and is an incredible uh, director of photography, immediately has introduced me to so many people that has launched my career into a, a, an entirely new path. Amy DePala from Pink Among Men is another amazing woman who has you know, just constantly, anytime there's a post that's like, Hey, you should apply for this. Hey, you'd be great for this. And, and like description script would make me feel like I don't have that credit yet. And they're like, apply anyway, you know, fake it till you make it, you could do it. I'll help you. And so for me, it's really important to make sure I give that opportunity to other women and make sure that, that if they're like, I don't know if I can do this or and this is like, like next level. I'm like, you can do it. I can help you because I think it's creating this web together that we can get ourselves to the next level and become the CEOs and get into those higher ups in the network so that it could trickle down and make sure that not just women, but, you know, marginalized people all across the board and people from the LGBTQ plus community is very important in our inclusivity with Insta Miniseries and with Murderville so that everyone has the opportunity to get work, to hone their skills and to be empowered to do their own work. Yeah, we have, we have, we really tried as well to include um, LGBTQ plus storylines in Murderville. And we thought that was like important for visibility. And, and in a, in a way that's like, 
just telling again, just like it's just regular lives. It's just real people. It's not like, you know, it's just an, an everyday kind of thing, just like normalizing just what is normal. You know what I mean? Like, like this is just how it should always be and it should always be inclusive. And we just wanted to include, to try to include everyone as best we could. I think that queer narratives and, and I'm, I'm a bisexual woman. Um, and I thought, I think it was very important for me that we didn't write a queer narrative through the lens of tragedy or the lens yes. of like pain or trauma porn. I was like, fuck that. Sorry. I don't know if we can swear on this. The podcast is called being an artist is fucking yep. killed. <laughs> okay. Um, I bet I, I think it was just important for me that we didn't write like another, just like sappy, you know, Hallmark special uh, queer narrative. It was like, it was, I think, in, you know, we keep bringing up Shit's Creek, but it is just such a, like perfect show but they they talk about it in that little documentary that they did and, and in countless of interviews that dan levy and eugene levy have like done done that they just wanted to write their characters into a world that was better in many ways than the, mm -hmm. than the world that we live in and i think that that is so necessary and so sort of instrumental uh in, in terms of like making progress in like the everyday world that we see we don't need to be like oh, they're gay. Like, you know, throughout the show, it can just be like, oh yeah, Bill and Lars, they're lovely. They're coming over for tea. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Do you guys think that, I mean, I guess I, okay, I hate asking this question, but you've filmed and shot so much already. Now that everything's coming out, do you already see future storylines for these characters? Um, yes. I mean, we kind of already like that was like directed we at writing, Ginger. <laughs> while we were writing, you know, season one and the stories yeah. and everything, we would just have ideas for season two and have ideas for you know certain characters that we want to want to be and like you know, does the FBI come to town and like what is Jeffrey doing in a year and like what you know what I mean like all of these. What is, yeah. like, how, does does so-and-so ever get the thing? Like, what's happening with this marriage, you know, whatever. So we, we've always kind of been, like, thinking about things like that as we wrote. Yeah. Um, but obviously, now that we have, like, this sort of really lovely calling card out and are, and would like to have a second season or get picked up by a streaming network to do like a half hour pilot version of the show. You know, we have to work on our series overview or show Bible. Um, and you kind of have to like plot a lot of those things out or at least have ideas for where you see the characters going and how you see things sort of wrapping up. Um, so we do have stuff like that uh, in the works and, another serial killer type document <laughs> in Google Docs. In the Google Docs. I mean, we, we keep the talking Google about Docs. those, but man, the Google Docs, that's where the whole uh, life force. <laughs> bless Google Docs. Bless. Just yeah. bless. <laughs> this podcast is not brought to you by Google Docs. <laughs> But we are looking for sponsors. <laughs> exactly. Just kidding. Google, please sponsor this podcast. Yeah. God damn it. We should have done this on Google Meet. <laughs> um, all right. We just have one last question. Corinne, you can take it from here. Is it the regular question? Is the regular question. <laughs> okay. Is being an artist fucking killing you? Not right now. I'm so full of joy. Yay. <laughs> and gratitude. I'm just like elated right now. Like to just have Murderville be out and to we're getting such positive responses and people really love it. And I'm just so proud of us. And I'm just so grateful to like everyone that worked on the project. I'm so grateful to our Seed and Spark donors. I'm so grateful to Chelsea for like... <laughs> asking me to do a project and then when I like went so overboard with it she just accepted <laughs> everything yeah. I'm grateful that Nikki like it, it she loved it and we had this amazing platform of instant mini series to to put it on and Amanda and Ceci for like agreeing to to like you know embark on this journey with us it's just been it's just been a wonderful experience and it's like even though there's it's had its ups and downs I think that like now that it's released I'm, I'm just so I'm just proud of us. I'm proud of the show. I'm like, yeah, I'm just full of joy. So right now, it's not fucking killing me. It's like the best part of my day. 
<laughs> Amazing. Anybody else want to answer that question? I was going to let Nikki go oh. first. <laughs> um, being an artist has fucking killed me in the past, for sure. sure. I could say that without a doubt. But I feel like being an artist is like being a phoenix where like you have to like get burned the fuck out and hit bottom and say to yourself, are you really still going to do this and figure out a way to like lift yourself up and with the help of others to like climb back. It's a, what is it? The, the, the Sisyphus complex of pushing the boulder up the hill and going back down. (laughs) So right now I feel like that boulder is like getting up that hill, but I think once you get up that hill, there's going to be another hill. So, you know, it's definitely will always fucking kill me, but I will take that challenge every day because man, when you, when you get it right and like something like Murderville, it's like, this is why we do it. This is why we allow it to kill us over and over again. Because when you hit that high, it's just like no other. Yeah. I think um, being an artist has fucking saved me this year. Like, honestly, because I, whoo, 2020, man. Jeez, I, we've all thought it. We've all had the same year. Okay. Like, it's been a uh, dumpster fire shit show hurricane and uh, I think the one thing I've had creatively consistently has been Murderville and I think not having Murderville would have been like oh so depressing (laughs) I didn't Mm -hmm. think that would get me choked up but it did so I am so grateful (laughs) for this show honestly Mm. um I I'm so surprised that I'm so emotional right now about it, but I'm also, it's, I'm also on my period right now, so, <laughs> so maybe that's part of it, um, but yeah, I think, like, having this, like, creative outlet and, like, having, uh, like, the, the sort of joy of watching something that was just, like, in your little noggin, like, become a real life and, like, breathing thing, baby, is, is amazing. Um, and I wouldn't have traded this like cuckoo kachu experience for anything, truly. Yeah. Woo! Yay, that was so lovely. Yes. Um, you post every Monday to Friday on Insta mini series, is that correct? Yep. Yeah, 5 p.m. Eastern time in the feed is either mm-hmm. an episode, interview, or commercial. And then at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is when we post the stories. And then the stories are saved to a highlight for like week one, week two. So even if you miss the stories, um, you can go back and watch them. Like if you wanted to binge the whole show at the end of the week, you can like watch everything that we've posted for the week and all the stories and the highlights. Cool. Can you tell us or tell listeners what that handle is on Instagram? Our show is only on Instagram mm-hmm. on the channel Insta Mini Series. Right. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for doing thank this. You. Yay! Thank um, you for having us. If you have any questions at all or you want to tell us what you think, feel free to send us a message at GalPalProds. Leave us a review on iTunes. Go to Spotify. Go anywhere you can get podcasts. You can find us. We are looking for Patreon subscribers, so please check us out on Patreon and check out many of our interviews um, through video. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Yay. 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 Yay.